Thank you for downloading this podcast from Awakening Church. I said, Ryan, this man's pastored for years and years and years and years. He's, he's, he teaches uh, at Lee University now, and um, just, just a brilliant, amazing man. He came to me and said, he said, I'm so impressed with the way that your church does family. And um, he, he, uh, he just elaborated that to me and to Heather over and over again. And so um, I just want you to know that those of you who could not make it, you were represented well uh, in Cleveland for Jessica. And I know that she absolutely felt the love as well as Ryan. So uh, good job. Good job. So I'm going to be really transparent today. I'm going to start out with a question so I can see if I got any help in the room first. Have you ever said something prophetically and, and you were like, and I really think that's what the Lord's saying, but I'm not totally sure. <laughs> you ever done that? <laughs> Could I have at least two or three people that say, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Same thing. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, uh, just begin to kind of release what the Lord was saying for 2019. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but uh, I said that, that 2019 was going to be a year of finally, that, that finally some things were going to happen for you. Um, I did no research at all on the year 2019, on the Hebraic year 5779, which is what we are in. Um, and as a matter of fact, I didn't even know this until yesterday afternoon. My daughter was talking to me, and she said, Dad, she said, now I know you always do research, so you probably already know this. I was like, okay. She said, one of my teachers was talking to me or talking to our class the other day about the year 5779. And, and she said it was some, some word in the Greek tet or something like that, which that nine is, it's in the Greek. It's the, for the Hebrew alpha, I'm sorry, not the Greek, the Hebrew alphabet. It's, it's tet. It's the ninth letter. And she said, and she said that nine in the Bible, it, it means finally, and it means final. And, and so she started walking me through this, and, you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then I was like, babe, I had no idea that that's what that meant. And uh, I told Rebecca last night, I said, you know, I wasn't even half sure that I was hearing the voice of the Lord correctly. <laughs> I'm joking, guys. I'm joking. Uh, but I just want to encourage you that that really is what the letter nine means, or number nine means. It means final. And so I just, I really believe that what the Lord is doing is, is he has set us up for this year. The other thing I feel so strongly is that 2019, the seemingly insignificant year, will be very significant. And I say seemingly insignificant because I believe that many people are looking to 2020. And, you know, they've already got the slogans. How many of you want to buy stock and copyright the slogan 2020 vision for year 2020, right? Listen, that's not me being prophetic. That's the, I'm telling you it's coming. You're going, you're going to see that. Uh, and, and, and so I think people are looking forward to 2020, but I really believe that the Lord has some stuff this year and uh, we're going to see some finalies come to pass. And um, it's going to be a year that is significant for those who can see it for those who can see it. And so I believe that he's positioning us to do that. Um, I want to, I, I want to I, I jump into some stuff. I'm, I'm still going to be talking about this whole righteousness thing, but the Lord put something, um, well, some weeks ago, Rebecca and I were talking about this and, and a couple of weeks ago, I just, I, I felt like it's time. I want to talk to you about sweeping the corners. Um, I think that sometimes there are things that 
um, come in our life, and I'll explain this a little more in just in just a bit. But but they come together, and we begin just to accept things as normal, right? We begin to accept things that are normal, and um, I, I, I've got some notes today. But more than anything, I, I want to just kind of talk from my heart um, about what I believe the Lord is saying regarding sweeping the corners, and for the next four weeks that I'm speaking, I don't, we may have other, other folks come in, but for the next four times that I'm speaking, I'm going to be talking about sweeping the corners and I've, I've gone back and forth. Uh, I feel like the Lord has already given me what the four corners are. I've gone back and forth as to whether or not I'm going to go ahead and just tell you those up front, but I think I'm just going to go one by one because I really want us to focus on this. And, and some of this stuff is going to be stuff that we have heard, uh, but but hopefully um, we, we can look at it from a little different um, aspect and um, Lee, you're gonna be so proud of me, dude. I've got like three points, <laughs> and and I really, I almost made them all start with the same letter, but I just couldn't do that. But I, I was, I was thinking, man, Lee's gonna be so proud of me, my homiletics and all of that stuff. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, go ahead and get your Bibles and go with me to Luke chapter 15. And and I also want to say this more than I want to exegete this text pull directly from that. I really want to just use it as a backdrop. Is that okay? If we just use this text as a backdrop? Um, I, let, let me say this up front. I understand the context of this text. Jesus is talking about lost people, okay? Um, and, and so it, it follows the, the parable of the, the lost lamb, and it precedes the parable of the lost son. And, and so... Um, but I, I really want to just pick up some things that I, that I believe are important. So Luke chapter 15, verse 8 in the Passion Translation, we should have that. Are we ready? Jesus gave them another parable. There once was a woman who had 10 valuable silver coins. When she lost one of them, she wept her entire house. I'm sorry, she swept her entire house diligently, searching every corner of her house. Can we read that again? She swept her entire house, diligently searching every corner of her house for that one lost coin. When she finally found it, she gathered all her friends and neighbors for a celebration, telling them, come and celebrate with me. I had lost my precious silver coin, but now I found it. That's the way God responds every time the lost sinner repents, turns to him. He says to all his angels, let's have a joyous celebration for that one was lost. I have, who was lost, I have found. I really want to focus on this idea that there was a woman who had 10 valuable silver coins. And when she lost one of them, she swept her entire house diligently, searching every corner of her house for that one lost coin. Now, I'm not going to get into this at all, but I think it's really interesting that Jesus in his parables referencing the Godhead, because every time he's referencing the Godhead. So the first parable about this is a shepherd. He uses a shepherd. And I think it's really interesting because he's so messing with the religious crowd in the second parable because he references God as a lady, as a woman who is sweeping the house. And I just really, I don't know, maybe it's the the rascal in me still. I just love it when he messes with them, you know, because he really is. He's, this is what he's doing. He's messing with the religious crowd. And then of course, 
the next parable, he, he references God as a loving father, okay? So um, this, this parable is really interesting, and it comes in line with three, but I want to focus on the fact that she had ten coins, lost one, and swept her house every corner until she found it. The unveiling of mysteries and revelation of the real gospel is in essence light exposing darkness. Darkness is merely the absence of light. When light is present, it is impossible for darkness to hide. I want you to understand that even as we approach the days and months to come in America. One of the things that that I am absolutely convinced of is we cannot look at the raging darkness to gauge what is happening in the kingdom or to gauge whether or not Jesus is coming back, okay? You cannot start, just like we've talked for months and months, you cannot start at depravity with your theology of who God is. You cannot start at fallen Adam. It's impossible. And so I want us to understand that when light is present, it is impossible for darkness to hide. So what does that mean? In the days and months to come, in our nation, around the world, which I want to say this too. I want to say this. We sometimes only have the view of a fishbowl. You understand what I'm saying? There's revival that's happening across the globe. It's America that we're seeing decline, right? Um, and, and, and so darkness, darkness has no ability to hide when light is present. And this is, this is just my conviction. In the days and months to come, as darkness increases, the light has to also increase and shine brighter. That's the, that is the gospel. That's what we have as the gospel. Amen. It's my conviction that what God is unveiling in this company of people, sometimes when, when, when I speak and when the Lord begins to talk about things, it, it's, it's for a broader sense. You know, there's times that, that, that we're out ministering in other places, but I believe what the Lord is saying right now is for this company. Okay. It's for this company. It is my conviction that what God is unveiling in this company of people are incorrect mindsets regarding our position as righteous as well as what is really the gospel or the good news of the kingdom. I really believe that that's what he's doing for us right now. He, 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 is, he is giving revelation about what it means to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he's given revelation of what it means to really declare the gospel of the kingdom the gospel of the kingdom is different than the gospel of the church. You understand that, right? Remember what I taught you a few months ago, and we've talked about this. Two plus two, four plus four, that equals 12 together, right? But if you think that two plus two equals five, and four plus four equals seven, you can still get to 12 with an incorrect mindset. <clears throat> I want you to listen to that. If you think two plus two is five and four plus four is seven, you could still get to 12 with those numbers, but from an incorrect mindset. And that's what I believe has happened in much of the church is that we have been um, we've been taught certain things. We have lived certain things that, that did not prepare our mindset for what Jesus was really um, attempting to do. And, and, and when, when 
Jesus gives these parables like what we just read. He's absolutely having to come against ideologies that people have studied since they were old enough to read regarding who he is, who is standing right in front of them. Do you understand that? That, that Jesus was really, um, in, in essence, he, he was almost defending who he was to these people who believed something different about him but were ever looking for him. Does that make sense? They believed something different about the man that was standing right in front of them. And I think what happens sometimes is a tactic of the enemy is he is okay with you believing certain things as long as you don't understand the fulfillment of what that really can be in your life, okay? And so what, what God is wanting to do is to unveil some things that give us the ability to see what he is doing with new eyes and from a new perspective. It's my conviction that most often when God wants to reveal something, I know I keep using that word, it's my conviction, because I don't want you to go out of here and say, this is, he's preaching this is the gospel. I'm telling you, this is my conviction, what I believe Holy Spirit is saying to me right now. It's my conviction that most often when God wants to reveal something to me and I find it difficult to grasp, it is due to clutter. I'm realizing more and more that when God wants to reveal something to me and it's difficult for me to grasp, you know what I'm talking about? He'll give you something and you're like, oh man, I really want to believe that, but it's kind of hard right now. I believe for me that a lot of the time the issue I'm having is really an issue of clutter that I've allowed to come in, okay? Things that I have let accumulate over time that serve as filters blocking the very thing I need in the moment. Okay. Clutter, by definition, is a collection of things lying around in untidy mass. Clutter, listen, I'm not getting ready to get in your business, okay? Some, some of you are like, oh, my goodness, has he been to my house? Has he been to my, listen, same for me. Have you been to my garage? So we're, we're all good. We're all good. Sometimes it is something of value, and sometimes it's junk that we do not take the time to remove. I'm talking about clutter. Sometimes it's things of value. Sometimes it's junk that we do not take the time to remove. This can apply to physical things, mental things, emotional things, and spiritual things. The enemy will use tactics to keep you cluttered so as to limit you and your effectiveness. Watch this. I have found that the enemy, if he knows what it takes to keep you in a state of chaos, to keep you in a state of um, devotional probation, if he knows what it is to keep you in a state where your heart's just not in it, guess what he's going to do? He's going to continue to bombard you with one thing right after the other. And what God is trying to get Ryan to understand is the correct way to respond when the enemy comes in like a flood. One of the things that I have learned that I do is I immediately start going to get sandbags to stop the flood. You know what I'm talking about? Have you, have you seen people when, when a flood comes in, they go get sandbags and they start building a wall, right? And that's one of the things that I do. I immediately go get sandbags to start trying to build the wall to keep it. The, the issue is, is that I have a promise that says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. But if I have cluttered up 
what's in front of me. I have no ability to see the standard that the Lord has raised up. And he's talking about a wall that he raises up to stop the flooding of the enemy, to stop the clutter that comes in. (coughs) Excuse me. And so I really want us to talk about clutter. And I want us to talk about this because I believe it's time to sweep the corners. I really believe it's time to sweep the corners. I believe that that one of the things that we're really good at is making excuses about our clutter. We're good about making excuses about our clutter. You don't understand where I've been. You don't know what I've done and what I, all of this. And, and you're right. And, and, and the same for me. But at some point, we've got to stop making excuses about the reason that we're not holding on to the things that God is asking us to hold on to because of all of the peripherals and the clutter that we have in us that we are attracted to and go to that are not a part of his plan. Is this okay today? It's time to sweep the corners. Notice from the text that the lady was looking for something that was lost. I want to tell you first and foremost that the the things that God want to absolutely release into your life, he's already done that. He's already done that. Why? He is not a God that hides from you. He's not a God that teases you. He's not a God that will dangle carrots out in front of you. He has given you the fullness of his spirit. But sometimes there are aspects that happen in our life where we lose sight of the things that God has given us. I've seen people, I'm not kidding you, I have seen people who have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for spouses to come. I've prayed with them. I've cried with them. I've seen it. I've seen people who when they get that spouse, it completely changes their aspect and the way that they approach God and literally their personality changes. I I mean, I could give you examples of people who were the sweetest people you could ever meet. They get what they're asking for the Lord and it totally changes who they are. Why? It's because they do not have a correct perception of what it is that God's giving them. And sometimes we get it and it's lost. I've preached a sermon several times about David and why David would attempt to go and save the one lamb from the lion or the one lamb for the, from the bear. Why would he do that? Because he could not let the enemy establish a pattern where he could come and go as he pleases to take what he wants. Because ultimately it wasn't just about getting a lamb and it wasn't just about keeping David off the throne and it wasn't about just keeping David from Goliath. It was about keeping the king of kings and the Lord of lords who would come through the seed of David. Come on, man. Jesus' name. I said I used to preach that sermon. I ain't gonna preach that one today but I could. So the enemy wants to establish this pattern where he can come and go and take something. So so the lady is sweeping the corner. She's sweeping the house because there's one coin that is lost. It was once in her possession, but now it is lost. Here's another interesting thing. One can assume that it's on the floor. Why? Because she's sweeping. One could assume that it's on the floor because she's sweeping. Why does that matter? It tells me that at one time the coin had a different place of elevation because most people don't store their money on the floor. The one thing that she lost had a different place of priority but now is on the floor. Sometimes when things move down in elevation from your list of priorities, it's an indication of clutter that was moved into a place of prominence. 
There, there are things that, that, that we have there are things that God has given us that have a certain place on our priority list. And as it begins to go down, it's an indication that something else has taken that place of prominence. She is sweeping the four corners to find one coin. There have been instances in my life when I've had something in my possession and one element will be lost. And instead of spending time to go find that one element, it's more convenient for me to go to the store and buy another one. It's more convenient for me to go somewhere else and get another one instead of taking the time to look for what is lost. Here's what's really interesting to me. She had nine other coins. Now, granted, some uh, scholars they, they they differentiate, but but we would for the for the sake of of argument, most people agree that it's about one coin was worth about twelve hundred dollars. I'm probably going to spend some time looking for something that's worth twelve hundred dollars, right? But that speaks to something else: the value that she placed on the thing that was lost. And so it had fallen down her list of priorities. It had fallen down in, 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 um, in, in elevation. And now she's having to sweep the corners, the four corners to find one coin. She had nine others. But she would not relent until she found the one coin. It's just one coin. It's just one coin. It's just one thought of misidentification. It's just one misconception about God that I can't get rid of. Listen, I'm asking myself this question right now. With all of the tragedy that's happened this week, really, I've asked the Lord, could we reset 2019? I'm like, finally, could it be over? You know, finally? Could, could we be done? Could we reset it? But I've set a resolve in my heart, and I've said this out loud numerous times, just, just for me to hear and for my family to hear. I refuse to let the rest of 2019 be like what we've experienced this last. I, I refuse. I refuse to do that. But I'm having this idea that, that when, when tragedy happens, and I go to process it in my mind, and maybe y'all are past this, but, but this is just where I'm at sometimes. When I go to process these things in my mind, and, and a, a thought or a lie or a, a question or a why will come in, and it's almost as if I have to convince myself, yeah, but God is good. And I'm asking myself, if I still have to try and convince myself of that, do I, do I really believe that in the moment that I'm in? Do I really believe that? And so that, that, that's what I'm talking about. It's just one, one thought. One misconception about God that I can't get rid of. It's just, it's just one thing from my past that I can't get rid of. Why would I sweep the corners with, with, with all of this other stuff that I could grab, with all of these other places that I could go to? Why would I sweep the corners? It's just one coin. It's just one piece of my past. But here's the thing. One leads to another and another and then clutter takes over, and I can't see the thing that I've lost for the clutter. I've also had times where I do go and look for that thing that I've lost, and it really just takes some time removing everything that I've put in front of it, everything that I have put in front of it, every ideology, 
every, every incorrect thought, every incorrect approach. And I just began to remove these things and literally have to sweep the corners to find what it is that I've lost. I don't know if I'm making any sense today. I'm finding that some of the issues I'm having trying to see myself as the righteousness of God are tied to my thoughts of misidentification and clutter from a religious system that was more dominant than the voice of a loving and accepting father. I, I cannot get away from the idea of identification, and I believe that many of us who are in this room have been living the effects of being misidentified in a system of performance that we did not know how to get out of. But I've come with some good news today. I've come to let you know that God is giving us a grace to sweep the corners and to move through these ideas. The first corner that we're going to talk about to be swept is absolutely the corner of religion. The amazing thing about God is that when you allow him to remove something from you, he always gives you something better in return. It, it's a concept that we teach when we're going through inner healing and deliverance, that when you give something to God, I give you my pain, I give you my hurt, that he gives you something in return. And so what I want to tell you is as we sweep this corner of religion, as we go into the depth of, of, of where we are regarding this, he is releasing a real freedom. We have scripture that tells us that the Son has come to set us free, and he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so complete freedom is available. So we sweep the corner of religion and replace it with real freedom. There are three aspects to this religious thing that cause clutter and impaired vision. Clutter and impaired vision. Why is it impaired vision? Because many times the clutter is in front of the thing that I'm really needing to get a hold of. What is the thing that I need to get? A, it's complete freedom. And, and hopefully this is going to make some more sense as we move on. There are three aspects. Number one, performance. Performance says you have to work to be accepted. Your proximity to the Father's heart is based on how good you are and how well you did. It keeps you on the treadmill, always running, but never going anywhere. This idea of I am not good enough to approach God, I, there's no way I could be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, is tied to the idea of religion and performance. It is tied to that, and we have got to sweep the corner once and for all. There are things that we have cluttered up. There are mindsets, there are thoughts about ourselves, thoughts about God that we continue to push into the corner so we can try to have some kind of medium in the room, but I'm telling you, he wants to once and for all remove that. Watch this. You were never saved into religion. You were never saved into performance. You were never saved into the idea that you could do good enough to make it into heaven. It's a lie from the enemy that you have to continue to do something to make it happen. The religious system or spirit, whatever you want to call it, causes us to not see Jesus correctly and what he did for us and places too much value on our ability to be disciplined. It does not give us a, a, a blank check to run out and do whatever we want. I've said this over and over again. No, when you really encounter the love of the Father and you realize that he loves you no matter what happens, it is that love affair that draws you into him, not your ability to do the right thing. And so performance has absolutely 
infiltrated our hearts and our minds. It, 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 has, it has caused us to, to go in. Listen, performance has caused people to go into depression because they feel like they just can't get it together. So I'm just not going to try. I'm just not going to try. Or the other thing, I'm going to fast 911 days out of the year. Seriously, I'm fasting three years in one. I'm doing it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I believe in fasting. I believe in all these things. But your heart and your motive, do you know how many times I've fasted and the only thing I got at the end of the fast was hungry? <laughs> Seriously. I'm talking about disciplined myself. I, I remember I, I would fast at the first of the year, and, and, and back in the day we always had conferences at the first of the year that we had to go and lead worship to. I literally almost fainted at a conference leading worship. I almost passed out because I was so bent on the fact that I'm fasting. I wasn't getting any closer to God because I was showing him that I could be disciplined to not eat. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? You, you have to, I, I really hope you have mature ears to understand this. I fast. I have. The first year that Awakening was here, literally, I fasted about 120 days that whole year. So I'm not against fasting. I love it. I'm against doing it out of religious routine because they think it makes me closer to God when I fast. If I'm really preparing my heart and I'm pushing the table back so that I can really feast at his table, then I'm all for that. But I'm not for doing it out of religious routine that causes performance. I can look and say, hey, I just fasted 21 days. Yeah, I'm going 40. Here we go. Come on. But we've been caught up in this stuff. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and so all of these, these things clutter up our thoughts about what we're doing, and, and, and it causes us to see Jesus incorrectly because then we think he's going to love us more if we do that. I can't talk to you today, brother, because i got to get my eight hours of prayer in. No one good while I pray like that anyway, looking up. Somebody text me, i got to... Seriously, but I put I put these I I put these limitations on me. My pastor Tom Doolittle, he told me he said, "Listen, if you're if if you're not going to Bible college, and I didn't, he said, if you're not going to Bible college, then you need to read the Bible three hours a day so that you have something to say." He was right. Some of the best advice I ever I was ever given. But did did you know that before I fell in love with the Bible, it was just a discipline that I thought I had to do. But after I fell in love with the Bible, I found out that three hours sometimes wasn't enough. Sometimes it was six hours, eight hours. Sometimes my study material would never leave the spot, and all day long I'd be going back and forth. Why? Because there was a love relationship that happened, not because it was just discipline. It started out as discipline, but it has to mature into a love relationship so that things move forward. Otherwise, you're just building clutter, and you're patting yourself on the back for getting it done. Well, I did this, and I'm a pretty good person. Listen, you were never called to be a good person. Did you know that? You were never called to be a good person. You were called to image forth Jesus Christ. That's what you were called to do, to be his image on the earth. And, and so I really want us to break this mindset of performance as we sweep the corner of religion. The, the second thing it does, control. Religion uses control to manipulate production to feed its own ideas. It uses control to hamper reproduction. It uses, it will manipulate control. I need you to do this and I need you to produce this. And if you don't produce this, then we're not getting done what we need to get done. Control, 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 and manipulation. 
We've got to sweep the corners. We've got to get rid of that. Here's the other thing you got to do. You got to stop looking at real spiritual leaders from the filters of the ones who hurt you in your past. You got to at some point let somebody become a voice in your life. You have to at some point let someone really become a father to you and really become an apostolic voice that releases what the kingdom is doing. You don't just need a pastor that shepherds you. You need a voice that walks alongside you to help correct you and keep you on the right path. And if we don't sweep the corner and get our ideas of control out of the corner, then we will never be able to move into what he is wanting us to do and ultimately see ourselves as the righteousness of God. That's what this is about. You understand, right? This is, this is not saying, hey, we've got all this junk and it just is. No, it's so that I can begin to really function in my kingdom calling and know that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So control, performance, control. Here's the third one, and this is the one that, that I have more than any topic in the history of the world probably preached about since I've been preaching for some, I don't know how long I've been preaching now, 23 years, 22, 23 years. Complacency. Complacency. Religion will cause you to become short-sighted so that you become comfortable where you are. How can you say that religion causes you to become short-sighted? How many of you have heard that Jesus is coming back tomorrow? He's coming back. I'm telling you, you better be ready right now. He's coming back tomorrow. Can I help you? You need to be ready. He is not coming back tomorrow. If he was coming back tomorrow, he would have come back when my great-great-grandfather was saying the same thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Religion causes you to be short-sighted. Why? Because it creates this idea of we get to leave and escape. This is why much of the church looks at darkness to gauge whether or not Jesus is coming back, and that is illegal according to the Bible. There's a whore and there's a bride in Revelation. You cannot look at the status of the whore and expect that that's when Jesus is coming back. It is only connected to the bride, and he said he's coming back for a bride that is without spot or blemish. We are not there yet. Y'all okay? You have to be ready. You have to keep your oils, your, your lamps trimmed with oil in them. 100%. I'm not saying that because they're, they're, the, the idea and what we do in the church so well is we swing the pendulum to the other end. And so you hear me say that and now we'll say, okay, well, Jesus is, he may never come back. No, 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 no. He's absolutely coming back. And in the moment that you think not, he's not coming. But according to his word, he's not coming back based on what religion has told us would happen. That's what I'm saying. We became short-sighted so that we did not have, we didn't have revelation of legacy. We didn't have revelation of what would we leave our children, our grandchildren. Our, do you know, I'm so grateful for the heritage that I have. Man, my great-grandfather father was plowing in a field shortly after he was saved under an amazing man named J.W. Buckaloo. He was saved under his ministry, filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's plowing in his field. His dad comes out, threatens to kill him with a rock if he doesn't deny the Holy Ghost. He does not deny. My great-great-grandfather eventually backs down, and that starts the progression in my family. Uh, so I've got a great heritage, but here's what they didn't leave me. They did not leave me the legacy of Scripture of what could happen in my life. They only knew how to to redo what they had done in times past because religion causes you to be complacent and short-sighted. What does that mean? You get so consumed with what is right in front of you 
that you cannot see past it. You can't see past it. And so you get hit with things. I remember in 2005, one of the hardest years that I'd ever had in my life. It was the first full year that I was pastoring. My dad died. We had a new baby. Just so many different things that happened. And I remember being in the funeral home. I guess I'm talking about this because I've been in one all week. I remember being in the funeral home and thinking to myself, everybody who was coming by was so grateful that they came, but their words were so hollow. And I, I, I remembered in my heart, I said, man, I have done that exact thing right there. I have done that exact thing. And it wasn't hollow because they didn't mean it. It was hollow because there wasn't something that was grabbing me on the inside. And I remember I had to go to the chapel in the back of the funeral home. And I found a keyboard and I sat down for about an hour, hour and a half. And just began to sing and pray to the Lord. And it's the only way that I got through it because I had to be able to remove myself from what was right in front of me. It is immaturity. Listen to me. Please hear me clearly. It is immaturity to only be able to see what is right in front of you and not be able to see the greater picture. It is immaturity. Complacency. It leaves us doing the same thing over and over again. It puts us in a monotonous routine. And our worship starts to look the same. And our prayer life starts to look the same. And our relationship with Jesus looks the same over and over and over and over again. And there's no defense that is scared of an offense that runs the same play over and over again. They know how to set up and do things differently. And if we're going to be a prophetic apostolic people, then we're going to have to begin to lean into that and understand that the prophetic is there to help us not do the same thing over and over and over again. Lord, what are you saying in this moment? What are you saying in this time for our family? What are you saying for our kingdom family? What is it that you're wanting to release? I cannot be complacent that I get up and I come to church for an hour and a half, two hours, once a week, and that's all that we have. What is it that you have for me. I cannot be stuck only seeing what's in front of me. If you're short-sighted, if you're complacent, you have no ability to do what Paul said, which is to rejoice when trials come your way. Now, don't get me wrong. This last week, I thought he was crazy for saying that. But it's the truth. It's a different perspective that you gain. Listen, I want to shake us I want to shake us. We were so comfortable at 1725 Research Drive. We could go every week, and we could be there, and we could do what we had to do, and, and if we needed a space for something, we could do it. But he has shaken things up, and if we don't do that, we are going to miss what it is he's wanting to release for us, and we've got to sweep the corners. We've got to get this junk out of us that allows us to be complacent to just do what we're doing. And guess what? You're not just waiting on me to make it happen for you, and if you are, you've missed the boat. We gotta sweep the corners. We gotta get this performance junk out of the way. It's part of the reason that we set up like we do every week and we don't attempt to try and move your emotions by tempo anymore. Know how to do that. 
We don't attempt to move your emotions by this great big show or whatever. And it's never that we were trying to do it for a show, but I'm telling you, I can sense that we have become complacent in some areas. We've become this, this idea of just doing the same thing over and over and over again. You say, how can you say that? Because people keep coming to me and they're going through the same junk over and over and over again. That's not the will of the Lord. It's not the will of the Lord. Complacency causes us to be short-sighted. I say it's time to sweep the corners and replace religion with real freedom. That's what, if, that's what is available. It's the redeeming blood of Jesus. And I just want to ask you, I just want to ask you, when was the last time that you really let yourself go in worship without inhibition, worrying about what man said? When, when is the last time that, that you placed so much value on that that nothing else mattered. When was the last time? When, when was the last time that you were so free that you gave no thought to the opinion of man? When was the last time? You say, I don't, I don't, Ryan, I don't even know if I know how to do it. I don't even know if I know how to sweep the corner. Man, same, same. I'm asking God, what do we do? What do we do to be different? I know that you've spoken to us. I know that you've placed us in this city for a reason. I know that you have these things for us. What is it that you are looking for us to do? And then I read Ephesians 5.13. Can we throw that up there? Ephesians 5.13. Whatever the revelation light exposes, it will also correct. Whatever the revelation light exposes, it will also correct. You don't have to spend your time trying to correct it. You have to spend your time getting new eyes so the, the revelation light of God can come in. And when that comes in, it possesses the power and the ability to expose that junk that's in the corner that needs to be swept out. When revelation light exposes, whatever it exposes, it will also correct. And everything that reveals truth is light to the soul. This is why the scripture says, arise, you sleeper, rise up from your coffin, and the anointed one will shine his light into you. Listen, if we're going to sweep the corner and we're going to get rid of performance and we're going to get rid of control and we're going to get rid of complacency, at some point we've got to allow him to come in and let the revelation light do what it's supposed to do, and that's correct what's in us. It's his light, man. It's his light. It's his life. What is the clutter that's in your life that causes you to view your relationship with God the same way? What is the clutter that's in, let's just be real. What is the clutter that's in your life that causes it to go down your list of priorities? What is the clutter that's in your life that causes you to always focus on performance? What has to be swept? What has to be swept? Let the revelation light of God expose it, and it brings with it the ability to correct it. Listen, I told you two weeks ago when I was here, I believe that what God is wanting to do is to unveil some things that are in us. What does that mean? It means that they're already there. There's just been something that's covered them. It's already in you. It is already in you, and he's asking for us to go deeper in him. Are you willing to do that? Listen, here's the deal. If you're not, Cool. Just don't act like it. 
just don't think that people don't know that you're not doing it. Let's be real. Let's sweep the corner and be real. I, I really felt like I had to get this one out of the way so that we can move in to, to what he wants to say about some of these other ones. But, but I'm telling you that if we don't remove these false ideas about who we are, these ideas of, of misidentification, if we don't remove these ideas of, of, watch this, if we don't remove the ideas of this is what it has to look like in order to move me, Well, what have you just done? You've just agreed with control and manipulation and said, you know what, it's got to look just like this or that really can't be him. Come on, I want us to be a people who are prepared for what eye has not seen and ear has not heard. I know we made every scripture in the Bible about heaven, but that's not always what it's talking about because it follows up and says, but it has been revealed by his spirit. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard what has entered the heart of God but it has been revealed by his spirit, which tells me that there are things that we can tap into to find exactly what he's doing. Guys, we gotta sweep the corners and you have to make a conscious decision to sweep the corners, to get the clutter out, to get the clutter out. What does that mean? Sometimes that legitimately means I'm gonna turn the news off. I'm, I'm gonna turn the news off. I'm gonna put the phone down. I'm going to make some real conscious decisions to do something different. Do you understand that, that, that the church has become adept at living out the definition of insanity? You know what the definition of insanity is, right? To do the same thing over and over and over again but expect a different result? Man. That's why people don't, well, Jesus, man, that's just what it is. We can't do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result got to get rid of these ideas of performance and control and complacency. Why? Because it's keeping you from realizing that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. <coughs> Those things continue to cause you to have a justice mindset. A justice mindset that it has to line up like this and it's, it's got to be right and, and that's the only way it can be. And it removes the ability for you to look through a lens of righteousness. We gotta sweep the corners. Whatever revelation light exposes, it has the power to correct. I mean, that's the best thing I've said all day long. Seriously, if you didn't hear anything, you need to listen to that, that whatever revelation light exposes, it also has the ability to correct. You don't have to do that on your own. You don't have to do that on your own. Come on, let's stand. Father, we just thank you for an opportunity to come together. God, I'm just asking for grace to sweep the corners in my life. I'm asking for grace to sweep the corners, to completely eradicate religion, to find that thing, God, to find that thing that was higher on my list of priorities. God, to find that thing that, that, that may have fallen. God, to find the freedom that I was birthed into, that I was saved into. You never saved me into religion. You saved me into freedom. You saved me from my sin and saved me to freedom in you. God, I don't just want to live my life trying to continue to manage what I was saved from. I want to live my life leaning into what I was saved to. You have called us. You have brought us together and you've given us the opportunity to sweep the corners. You're bringing things to light. 
to sweep the corners, God. I'm asking that you would shake us, God. And I know that I've prayed, shake everything that can be shaken. I'm asking, God, shake us from complacency. Shake us from immaturity. That's what you sent the five gifts for. The apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. You sent them to bring us into the maturity of the full man of Christ. So I'm asking you to release that today. God, I'm asking that you would begin to open the eyes of your people for them to see you in a new light. I'm asking that you would begin to open the eyes of your people for them to begin to, to understand the love that you have for them, that, that you're asking them to remove the clutter so that you can come ever closer. God, I'm asking that we would begin to see ourselves through your lens. I'm asking, God, that you would begin to release to us a grace to understand what it is to be the righteousness of God. It's you that we want. It's you that we long for. So I'm asking you to come as only you can. Bless your people. Come on, would you just lift your hands right now? God, I pray that you would just bless your people. God, I just bless them with encounters with you. I bless them with, with, with a hunger. God, I'm, I'm asking that you would release hunger in this place like never before. Bless your people with hunger after you. Those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. God, release the hunger of the Holy Spirit in this house. Release it to every person, God. I'm asking that we would remove ourselves from this idea of complacency and that we would be hungry in pursuit after you it's you jesus it's you that we long for it's you come on would you lift your voice and just pray your own prayer right now pray your own prayer what are you asking him what what needs to be swept out of your life right now what is it that needs to be swept come on god just sweep the corners of our life thank you for joining us for this week's podcast from awakening church you can find us online at awakeningky.com.